Hello, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Mr. Lenwood Long, the president and CEO of the African-American Alliance of CDFI CEOs, otherwise known as the Alliance. How are you doing today, Mr. Long? I am doing well. Glad to be with you today. Thank you for joining. Sure. So starting right off, how can you or can you please explain the role of the Alliance? What is the Alliance? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, that's a great question. The Alliance is an intermediary of 67 Black-led CDFIs that sort of provide their services uh, around three pillars, uh, building capacity, building bridges, and building power. And I, and I always explain when I talk about building power, it's literally talking about uh, not individual institutional power, but the ability of collective voice to impact policies, public policy, federal state uh, that uh, has the intended, unintended consequence of, of disparate resources uh, impacting Black-led CDFIs and Black community and Brown communities as well. Understood. And how do CDFIs differ then um, or differ from regular financial institutions? Yeah, uh, we we think that if you look at the difference between, let's say, the bank and CDFIs, um, there's a uh, difference between night and day. And the reason I say that is banks are really focused upon, um, you know, they have board, uh, board, a board of directors and they pay dividends to their members, but most of the nonprofits, uh, CDFIs are nonprofit. We do have some for profit, but there's one word that sort of separate them, and that word is mission. They are mission oriented, they are focused upon community, and their target area is low income and disadvantaged communities. Mm -hmm. um, as, you well, as you well know, financial institution really. Um, speaks to your capacity uh, and ability, financial capacity and ability to take advantage of the services they provide. Unlike the uh, uh, CDFIs can prepare you, uh, especially small businesses to become more backable uh, through the lending products that they have. And in what ways do CDFIs help black owned businesses become more bankable? Well, and many times they may start out uh, based upon credit, credit, uh, based upon some other factors, credit scores could have been uh, impacted. Uh, their business plan um, may not uh, be uh, consistent with the bank's lending area, but a CDFI will work with that small business if it's not ready. Uh, to, to get that small business uh, ready. Uh, if credit score is a problem, uh, they tend to partner with uh, some credit repairs uh, agencies, as well as providing technical assistance to that small business that's not ready to become ready. And perhaps uh, even though there may have be a credit problem, they may do a, a deeper dive and find out, hey, this credit problem was really caused by uh, a medical incident, a uh, loss of job over an extended period of time, over no uh, fault of the individual. Uh, and so with that new information, uh, with that information and that digging, 
um, the loan may be made. Uh, unlike the bank, the credit score, you just go, right? Uh, and so I'd like to say that uh, I often say that CDFI started placing a banker before it became even a word for a financial institution. Why do I say that? Because uh, they work hand in hand with the clients that come into their doors. Interesting. And speaking of the clients that come in through their doors, <laughs> what role would you say that uh, Black-led CDFIs have in increasing wealth in the Black community? That That is a uh, great question. But let me preface my response by this that I often say is that Black-led CDFIs uh, are the underserved serving the underserved. In, in other words, they're under-resourced with the capital they have, and they take the high demand that they receive uh, from businesses, black and brown and, and others, uh, who need capital to further their dreams. Uh, and, and so I think it's important to realize that uh, black CDFIs, even with the constraint on the capital they, they, they have, play a huge role in the capitalization of many small businesses and black and brown communities. So what you're saying is even as black businesses are underfunded, black CDFIs are underfunded also. That's the point I always make. I don't care how the equation is framed to them. I always make that point to put in context that, mm -hmm. that systemic racism uh, really has impacted the balance sheet of black-led CDFIs. By the way, Hope Institute did some research and say that the capital gap gap between minority-led CDFIs and white-led CDFIs are six to one. That's a pretty huge gap. I mean, for every, uh, if you just look at it this way, uh, white CDFI has $6, the black-led CDFI has $1, uh, the Latinx CDFI. Right. And so if you have uh, five more dollars than I have, you just multiply that uh, by millions of dollars and you see how that gap can be mm -hmm. uh, in terms of not only serving, but also staying afloat to meet the demand in our community. And so the community suffer from a racial wealth gap. We know that the gap 144, the last research I saw was something like 174,000 to uh, 48,000 or 18,000. I mean, it was just huge. Uh, and so that's the problem that our community have suffered from for decades, for centuries. Mm. From the point from, you know, the secretary Yellen said uh, in a speech uh, on Martin Luther King Jr. breakfast, you know, folks like to say famous things. She said that from Reconstruction to Jim Crow to the present day, this economy has not been fair to Black folks and, and to people of color. Uh, and, and so uh, we know that, uh, and we know that to close that racial gap, it's going to take uh, some extraordinary means and an infusion of capital in our community. So speaking of that infusion of capital, what ways or strategies do the Black CDFIs take to raise uh, or attract funding? Well, the, the uh, two things uh, to address that, you know, you probably realize that after the uh, horrendous, uh, horrific murder of George Floyd, uh, there was so-called racial reckoning, whatever that is, uh, with number of banks and financial institutions, foundations, corporations, 
uh, providing capital to a number of organizations, many of them CDFIs. I, I don't think uh, that the scale of those dollars um, being uh, invested as a result of what I call uh, blood on your hand money uh, really went into Black-led CDFI on the same scale. Um, and, and so, and that's one point. The second point is that I think some of that is short-term money, meaning that it's money in for this cycle, uh, maybe one or two years, but not for the long run. And so what we are trying to do is develop a, a fund um, that I'm really getting into ahead of your question, but it's a natural flow mm -hmm. that one of the, the tools we see in one of the funds would be the only fund, Black Renaissance Fund. I want to say that again. The Black Renaissance Fund is the only fund exclusively mm -hmm. devoted. And I, and I say exclusively because a lot of funds out there, uh, but this is the only fund the only fund that is focused upon Black-led CDFIs. Wow. That's, that's major. Yeah. Yeah. Because we recognize, as indicated ago, uh, a few minutes ago, the gap, six to one, that's a huge gap. Mm -hmm. uh, regardless of what we say, the racial wealth gap is widening. Uh, other, other ethnic groups that come into America, uh, and we're behind them, you know. Yeah. The Latinx community uh, have surpassed mm -hmm. us in terms of income, uh, and so if you look at the racial wealth gap uh, within the, sort of the minorities, uh, you'll find is you know it's white, Latin, Latinx, then African American. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay, so what does that tell you uh, about the fairness of this this economy, and 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 also that. Um, um, the black community is going to have to realize that uh, when we have institutions that are working, whether they are banks, um, CDFIs are working on behalf of their communities, we're going to have to invest in, in those CDFIs and those banks uh, in order for them to continue to be a resource uh, to the community. Right. How much are you raising with the Black Renaissance Fund? Well, the first that we're just out the gate, that we started with $12.5 million from um, um, from Bank of America. The goal of that fund is 125 million, um, five, uh, 25 million uh, for general operating support over five years, uh, 100 million of which 75 uh, million is uh, debt capital and 25 million is, is equity dollars or grant dollars uh, to build the balance sheet and stabilize the growth of our community. They need blended capital. Uh, meaning that they uh, that just debt capital is not enough for them to make strong their balance sheet and for them to grow towards self-sufficiency. Right. Yeah. And we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do, Tony. For sure. For sure. And I was going to ask, in your mind, ideally, how much would you want to raise to take care of all issues that you see across the board, how much is that going to take? Uh, billions. <laughs> Billion. Let, let me give you, let me put this in context. Uh, many of us have heard about the, and if we have not heard about it, we need to hear about it. We need to read it. Uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, mm -hmm. and it has $27 billion 
uh, dealing with um, a, a variety of energy related tight credit and issues dealing with uh, and, and solutions, financial solution uh, as incentive for carbon emissions in low, low advantage, I mean, disadvantaged and low income communities. There is $20 billion uh, in a, for a gr greenhouse gas reduction fund. I wanna underline that $20 billion. Now, of that $20 billion, there is, uh, there's appropriated 8 billion or 40% for low income and disadvantaged communities. Mm -hmm. I don't care how you frame that, that looked like majority of our community. Yeah, uh, and, and so, uh, and it further say that only nonprofits can be eligible for these, these funds. Mm. Wouldn't it be a disaster? Wouldn't it be a shame if those kinds of billion of dollars aimed for our community did not go to like nonprofits uh, and, and programs that's controlled, managed and operated by black yeah, that would be a shame. It'd be a shame. But uh, I think we've been crying shame for too long. Uh, and we have to really rally our community about what's in these, these programs. Mm. When you think about the Inflation Reduction Act, you didn't think about greenhouse, greenhouse um, gas reduction fund. Right. Uh, actually, that fund is $27 million. There's seven, $27 billion. There's $7 billion going to states and municipalities. Uh, out of those funds should be some dollars going into our community. But that $20 billion, say that 40%, I'm hoping 50% of would go to our community to help with carbon emission. And that's come through a variety of ways, not only uh, the emission from cars, but also the housing, uh, um, air conditioning system, uh, using more heat pumps, uh, being energy efficient, uh, and so we're going to have to prepare our community. And that's why I'm on sort of a mission uh, to make sure our community is aware of it uh, and that our, every organization uh, that's really concerned about our community uh, need to stand on the rooftop and holler it from, from, from village to village, from town to town, from city to city, from state to state. Uh, there's over $8 billion available for our community, for nonprofits to, to do what? To provide capital, to help small businesses uh, that perhaps can be retrofit, to do things in the green energy space and to educate our community, technical system dollars. So there's capital dollars and there's technical system, uh, technical system dollars. And uh, I, I, I don't mind saying this. I would say it would be a, a double shame if all this money went to white organization to serve our community. And don't tell me that you cannot find organization with the capacity because we have organization very gifted and skilled in this area. Right. Is there... So I'm coming off my soapbox now. <laughs> no, you can stay on there as long as you want, sir. You're yeah. been dropping gems right now. Yeah. In terms of advocacy for uh, 
Black CDFIs? What's being done to, as you said, shout from the rooftops and the hilltops to yeah, yeah, these funds? Yeah, and so part of advocacy uh, is, is is even we talked about one of the pillars as building power. That building power is really the advocacy work of the center uh, of the alliance, rather, uh, and that advocacy can be uh, around policy issues. Uh, it can be around program issues. And let me give you an example of something. You know, the New Market Tax Credit uh, is a program that has billions of dollars going into our community, leveraged capital, uh, and Black-led CDEs, community development entities, uh, have not participated on the scale of the white counterpart. So we've, we've been writing uh, to Congress and to uh, the city of Fund around the inequities that we see in that program. That's one and two. We have taken the the uh, uh, the bull by the horn, so to speak, and uh, and we have developed a program uh, funded by Cresby Foundation and the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation uh, to help prepare. Black-led CDEs, community development entities, uh, to increase the allocation probability of Black entities in that pro, in that fund, because in that fund there are, there are a number of resources that come, a number of fees that come from it mm -hmm. uh, that can help stabilize and help put more resources not only into our community. Uh, you talking about build back better. Uh, I'm talking about build back better in black communities. And 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 we have, I think, through policy effort, we, we are raising the voice. Uh, we are positioning ourselves now uh, around uh, the state small business credit initiative. Um, a lot of, uh, we are developing a scorecard uh, that uh, along with uh, other black organizations, uh, black led organizations, the US black chambers involved. Uh, the uh, Prosperity Now, uh, which is led by Gary Cunningham, uh, national organization involved, uh, the Expanding Black Business, uh, Black Business uh, involved, Bill Bynum organization out of, uh, 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 out of Mississippi, and AEO uh, out of D.C. is involved as well. Uh, and so along with us, and we're, we're uh, demanding, if you will, uh, that uh, there'll be equitable uh, inclusion of those dollars uh, when they hit the state level. Mm -hmm. Because I often said, and I said to Treasury, my concern is that states do not have the heart to do the right thing. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. So as you can see on a number of fronts, right as you can see on a number of fronts, we are uh, addressing policy. And then the other thing, uh, we are bringing together other voices uh, to add to our voice to have greater impact on the change of policy mm -hmm. uh, at the federal and at the state level. When you say states don't have the heart to do the right thing, can you expand on that? What do you mean by oh, that? Oh, yeah, yes. And, and so uh, in, the, uh, in the state small business credit initiative program, um, states may do programs like loan participation. Mm -hmm. uh, in other words, those funds can be used uh, for uh, banks and CDFIs and others 
to uh, let's say if the, the deal is $500,000, that maybe the, the bank would take uh, two thirds of it and the fund would take another third. Um, there may be venture capital um, uh, and there may be uh, a, another capitalization program. But my point is that some states that will not do the outreach um, for Black-led CDFIs, as well as Black uh, minority deposit institutions, uh, your Black banks, uh, our Black credit unions uh, in the area to ensure that they are, are engaged. I looked at the loan participation list of banks in South Carolina, not the first Black bank on that list. Wow. That's a travesty, right? Yeah. And so states only, you know, it's a good old boy system. Uh, they perpetuate this inequity and this racism, uh, this structural racism, this systemic racism uh, that has been part of the capital system in America for generations. Uh, and so uh, I don't care what, uh, how many equity officers they point at the federal level or the state level, we haven't seen the change to amount to a, a hill of beans. Mm. That's a term that's, uh, that most folks don't know what the world I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm pretty familiar with it. Well, it reminded nothing. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say is the state of Black CDFIs right now, and also the state of Black uh, banks, if you will? Well, I, I think um, uh, the state of Black CDFIs, I think one, I think is better than it has been. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the reason I say that has been an infusion of dollars, even with the gaps, I think uh, we've seen some growth uh, in the capital position. But when you measure the growth of Black-led CDFI versus white-led CDFI, there's a huge gap in, yeah. in that. So there's growth and then there's growth, right? And so we're talking about proportionate proportionality, equity, equitable distribution of funds and the resources in those and CDFI, that gap still exists. Uh, black banks, I think, are, are having some of their better days. Um, they had an investment of, uh, I think it was nine billion, or uh, eight billion of uh, what they call uh, emergency capital investment program, mm -hmm. where there was a fusion of dollars. Uh, in banks that came out of the CDFI fund appropriation, uh, where the CDFI fund got the largest increase of funds um, and related to uh, this pandemic that we've been dealing with. But when you take 43 billion, part of that slashed out that every CDFI in America got something somewhere from 200,000 lowest to probably 1.8 million. Um, for some of the larger high-performing ones. Uh, and then, um, uh, again, I mentioned $9 billion uh, of going to MDIs, uh, and those dollars were specifically for them to provide uh, lending and other programs, uh, and it, it capitalized uh, and stabilized their bank, and that would put them in a position uh, to be financially healthy uh, over uh, a period of time. And you think about uh, these funds are around for a generation of time. 
uh, and for decades, and we'll be able to, I think, allow banks, uh, especially black and minority banks, uh, to build their financial health and strength. Uh, that will not happen otherwise. I must admit, though, also uh, that this racial reckoning post George Floyd money uh, is still, you know, have helped banks that everybody want to put some money, uh, a little money. Uh, in black banks and black CDFIs. Notice I use the word a little. Yeah. You know, it sounds like a little bit here, a little bit there. Uh, and in the end, everybody got a little. But, but and, and then if, if you peel out all of these racial equity funds that were intended for the black community, I want to say that, that it built more white organizations than built black communities. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So I guess in wrapping up, what are your thoughts on the future of Black-led CDFIs going forward? I'm optimistic. I, I really am. I'm optimistic uh, because um, we have something that nobody can take away. And that is the intellectual capital of some of the brightest Black men and women I know leading these Black-led CDFIs. They're mm -hmm. smart. Uh, they are nimble and they're thinking. And how else have they been able to navigate uh, through this systemic racism that that has, has drained funds, I've taken funds away from them. So based upon who I know and see and, uh, and working um, for, on behalf of Black communities and Brown, communities across this nation, black led CDFIs are in good shape. All right. They, they're in better hand than all state. <laughs> I am glad to hear it. That's fantastic. Well, yeah. You, thank you yeah. so much for your time. I appreciate thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Sharing. I, I appreciate it. And uh, uh, thank you and wish you well in all you did. Thank you. You have all a right. great rest of the day, sir. All right. Bye now.